You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to another edition of Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. And tonight we welcome someone who I know will hit home with baseball and Broadway fans alike. Across 16 major league seasons, primarily for the Chicago Cubs and Florida Marlins, my guest tonight was a two-time All-Star with 132 wins and more than 2,000 strikeouts to his name. He was a key member of the 2013 World Series champion Red Sox, had seven seasons in which he threw more than 200 innings, and in 2019, he was inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. I always admired just how much he seemed to be enjoying himself on the mound and in the dugout, and as we see so often on Broadway, Performers with that type of spirit and skill set to actually back it up really have an ability to endear themselves to the fans and cement a phenomenal legacy in the process. In addition to everything he's accomplished on the field, uh, since 2014, he's lent his talents to the broadcast booth and now serves as one of the TV voices for the Chicago Cubs on their marquee sports network and certainly does so with the same charisma and baseball expertise that's made him just as beloved now as he was in his playing days. With that being said, if I'll ask you all to please turn your attention to home plate. Just be on the marquee. Now batting, Ryan Dempster. Ryan, welcome to Break a Bat. Ah, oh, Al, thanks for having me on. This is uh, spectacular. I'm happy to be here. It's an honor for me, man. How are things in the Windy City? They're good. You know, uh, I just try to uh, stay safe. Uh, you know, we got an ocean the size of a lake here, so um, that's really nice to be able to go down and get some fresh air every once in a while. Staying busy. Cubs games are going. Wrigley Fields uh, got fans in it again, which is phenomenal. And I'm busy raising four kids. So I got my hands full. I'm constantly juggling like eight things at once. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. and keeps me young and keeps me busy. Now, I know you're a proud Canada guy through and through, but is it safe to say Chicago's home for you now? Yeah, I mean, home home is home. Home is Canada. It's Gibson's BC. It's you know, just a little town outside of Vancouver. But if there's a, anything that's a close second place, it's, it's Chicago. I, I've been here for 17 years now. I was just talking to somebody. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, this this city is incredible. The people are amazing. The way they've treated me and my family and um, you know, just uh, just a, a really, really special place. And, and I love being here and um, enjoy all the culture of it all, the music, the, 
you know, the, the restaurants, the sporting venues, the, and, you know, this incredible uh, outdoor activities that we can do here. It's all about it. Just, uh, I just love it. Now, what do you think of this year's Cubs? You know, you're playing in a fairly weak division. The pitching staff actually looks a lot better than people thought that they would. Uh, it's currently constructed. Do you think this is a playoff team? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's early. He's only played nine games, or 10 games so far or something like that. So it's not a lot of sample size, but you got guys who are proven winners. You got former MVPs, rookie of the years. You got gold glove winners. Um, and then you mentioned the pitching staff. You know, we, uh, we in base, the baseball world and fans of baseball, we love velocity. It's fun and exciting to see somebody throw 100 miles an hour, but it doesn't do you much good if you don't throw it where you want. You got a lot of guys who, who rely on command and control, and they're sneaky good. You know, like I said, Kyle Hendricks is a top five pitcher in baseball since you know 2016, but we don't think of him that way because he doesn't throw 95 and he doesn't strike out the world, but he just consistently gets out. And guys like Zach Davies and Jake Arrieta back in town. So, um, and then watching what Craig Kimbrell's been doing since last year in September. Um, they got the back end of the bullpen short up. So just a matter of scoring enough runs to go out there and let your pitching staff take care of their work because you got phenomenal defense behind you. You know, the guy I'm watching this year is Chris Bryant because, you know, I know that there was a lot of talk in the offseason about whether or not he'd be traded, but I feel like he's playing like a man on a mission this year, especially in his walk year. I, I, I think if there's going to be one big X factor for the Cubs, at least on the offensive side of things, I really think Chris Bryant's going to be the guy. Yeah, dude. This guy has gone Golden Spikes winner, you know, second overall pick in the draft, uh, minor league player of the year, rookie of the year, MVP, World Series champion, all this stuff. He's had great, great seasons, and he's been a highly productive player. And then last year, a pandemic hits, okay? And if pandemic hits and he has a baby, like within months, you know, within a month of all that coming together. So, you know, being a dad for the first time and having to walk through that with all everything going on, not a lot of people were the same. Look at it across the board. So many people had off years. I think he is a man on a mission and he's somebody's going to go out there and I think just absolutely ball out. I think he's going to have a monster season, an MVP caliber season. He's determined to go out there and, and show that last year's the anomaly. If you look at the back of the baseball card, years before that are pretty much who he is. Um, he's, he's a guy that's going to hit 280, hit 30 home runs and driving, you know, 90 to hundred runs. So um, he does everything right. He's the model citizen. He's, a guy that you want on your team. He's just an incredible human being. And I agree with you. You know, at the end of the year, after he makes the all-star team and at the end of the season, when you look at what he's going to put up, those are going to be some big, big numbers. And if he does, I have no doubt the Cubs are going to be in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I have to ask you, Ryan, being a guy who primarily pitched during the final years of what I kind of call the old school era, what do you think of some of the changes we've seen in baseball over the past year as far as the rules, the way pitching staffs are being handled? Do you see it as a far cry from the game you fell in love with? I just think that, and I don't know if it's just like society, like the way society is and the way we maybe just steer kids a little bit, like human beings are pretty remarkable if you think about it. Like if you just wrap your head around the fact that this like baby comes out, you know, and it's born and then it evolves into like a human that is capable of doing all these things, our brains and our bodies and overcoming obstacles. Like, I think that there's more room to push guys, you know, um, we, we get so caught up in what, what they can't do instead of what they can do. And I think, you know, like you mentioned on the intro, the 200 innings, it seems like a far cry for anybody to throw 200 innings now. And it's like, well, we want to prevent injuries, but are we? Are we preventing them any more than we were before? Guys still get hurt. You know, the human arm's not meant 
to go forward. It's meant to go underhand. That's why underhand pitchers never get hurt. Um, so, and then you're doing it at high velocities and who's to say, I can't get you out three times through the lineup. Who's to say that day I can't get you out four times. I think, you know, trying to predict everything through data is great, but I, I would love us to push guys more to make them work harder so that they can actually, you know, um, go deeper into games you know, and, and be more successful. And so when I look at the way the pitching staff and it's like, Oh, well, you know, we're at the third time through lineup. Cool. How did we get there? Did I, Get you out with just all fastballs your first time through? Is there breaking balls? There were some days I couldn't get through a lineup one time. I'm like, man, why didn't you come get me earlier, coach? You just crushed my ERA. You know, like, didn't you see? I was clearly getting my ass kicked out there. So, you know, I just think we all the data and all that stuff is great. But also the most important tool we have, no matter who it is, history has shown this, these things right here, our eyeballs, the eye test, what's going on out there? You know, and so if we just maybe relied a little bit more of that sometimes, and I think we might be going back in that direction. I think, you know, it's still the game I love, and these guys are phenomenal athletes and phenomenal players, and I just think they're capable of so much. Now, back when you were pitching, how much of a grind was it to throw those 210, 220 innings or, you know, a year? Was that just par for the course pitching in the era that you did, or was it a real grind for you? Yeah, well, it was part for the course, but the grind, the journey was the fun part. You know, like Kobe said it great. The journey is the dream. That's the, all the other stuff is just icing on the cake. So, you know, the off season when you're working your tail off to go out there and get in good shape and build your legs up so that you get the stamina to go out there. You're going to make 30, say you make 34 starts in a season or whatever. You're going to have seven stinkers and you're going to have seven that you can just roll out of bed and throw it through your legs and you're going to get everybody out. That's just how it goes. So what do you do with the other 20 starts? How do you grind through those? How do you win when you got your B stuff or your C stuff? You know, how do you go out there and, and, and figure out a way to get it done? How do you give your team a chance to, to win? How do you give the bullpen a break when they need the break? Those kind of moments throughout the course of the season, because very few times are you going to have, you know, every start's going to be lights out. Even the best guys who go out there and dominate all year, they still have a couple stinkers. Um, so you got to figure that to me was the fun part. It was all the hard work you put in. You know, hey, great, I went eight shutout innings, but five days from now, I got to go out there and try and do the same thing against another team. I can't just sit around on my, you know, on my eye horse, kicking up in the clubhouse, with my feet up and just lay, hey, guys, you see how good I pitched? It's pretty good, huh? Like, everybody's like, great, man, but we're going to need you five days from now, so get it going. So I, I think it was, you know, it was a grind and, and a good grind in a great way. And I just, you know, I, I just cherish those moments so much, like, I remember games, but I remember just as much like the early morning workouts or getting after it as much as I do some of the games. So to me, that was, you know, just as much fun as any time I ever towed the rubber. You're one of the very first people that's ever, you know, given an answer to that type of question like that on this show. And it's, it's so cool to hear stuff like that. You know, you had success early in your career, which I can imagine uh, just helped you so much. You made an all-star team at uh, 23 in 2000. I do have to ask, did you ever feel overmatched pitching in the heart of the steroid era, or can you just not let your mind get there, you know, in order to compete? Yeah. You know, what's funny you say this. I, so I told this story um, yesterday. I was, I was playing golf with a buddy and I, and I said to him, I said, uh, you know, he was just asking me about feeling like you belong in the big leagues. In 1998, okay, so 1997, and I started the year in Brevard County and finished the year in Brevard County. That's A ball. That's high A ball. In the first half, I was the worst pitcher in the Florida State League. 
And John Bowles was our minor league coordinator, later became my big league manager. He came to town. And he said, what do you think you're doing wrong? And I started to talk and he goes, you know what? Why don't you just shut up and let me, let me tell you what you're doing. And he went down the list. You got to throw, you got to throw more strikes. You got to attack hitters. You got to throw your breaking ball for a strike. And I had an incredible second half of high A ball. Okay. Now the next year in spring, you know, the winner goes on, they said, Hey, we'd love to invite you as a non-roster invitee to spring training. I'm like, Oh, this is great. So now I go to spring training. I'm fresh out of a ball. I get sent down to minor league camp before minor league camp starts. So I didn't know what to do. Jim Leland told me, well, I just go to the beach or the, or the dog track. I don't know. Go have some fun. So, <laughs> so now I get sent down. Now, six starts later, I get called up to the big leagues. You want to talk about feeling overmatched? I'm like, hey, guys, six weeks ago, you told me I was never going to make the team. And now I'm starting in the big leagues on June 1st against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. I'm like, whoo. Oh boy. Struck out Brant Brown on three pitches. I'm like, okay, all right, I can do this. No problem. You know, walk Homer, walk Homer. Next thing you know, I'm on the bench. Like, Oh my God, man, what had just happened? Like this, this league is really, really hard. And, and it was the heart of the steroid era. And you made mistakes. You know, you weren't just like, you weren't just not getting the ball back. That ball was ending up on a freeway somewhere. So it was, it was intimidating for sure. But you just took it as a challenge. I just tried to learn as much as I could. I realized that I was supposed to lose. Like that's what was supposed to happen, right? Like I was in the, I was in double A like six weeks ago and I'm pitching against, I'm supposed to lose these games. That's just the reality. Um, there's a reason I'm a four to one underdog against Clavin and the Braves. Like I'm supposed to lose that game. So now all of a sudden when you win and Vinny at the, you know, the club and in New York's trying to buy you drinks, you're like, Oh, okay. You know, like true story actually. But, um, you know, so it's Vinny like at the club. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, I'm Vinny. I'm a bookie. Yeah, you made me a lot of money today. Hey, anything you want tonight, I got it." You know, and all I can remember was Michael <laughs> Francis coming to speak to us in spring training, and me going, "Hey, I'm good, Vinny. You want to buy me a beer? I'll take that. But other than that, I'm good. I don't want to be connected to the mob <laughs> and have to owe you one for the rest of my life." You know, but yeah, definitely intimidated to to sit there and and pitch in the steroid era. But I got through it. I survived on the other side of it, so it was all good. I love that. You mentioned your yeah. trips to New York. Did you enjoy coming here as a uh, oh, visiting player? The best, man. The absolute best. Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved, I loved the city. Like my first couple times coming through, I didn't, I go to. We get in, at, you know, one in the morning, right to Times Square. Let me go watch somebody play three card Monty and get their wallet taken from them. You know, let's go. Like I just love the action. I love the nightlife. I love the food. I love the culture. You know, I was always like going through runs through Central Park and like trying to find the hole in the wall, you know, secret door that you knock on 18 times or have to sing a song to get into and just go to like the underground world of it all. And then going to like Shea and going to Yankee Stadium and going to these ballparks and, you know, like I'll never forget going to Shea Stadium, right? And I, I, my first time, you know, and I walk out and nobody knows who Dempster is, is the back of the jersey, you know, and this kid, he's like 12 years old. He's like, hey, Dempster! Show me a ball. And I'm like, I look over at him and I'm like, and he's got a ball in his hand. And I go, well, you, you, you already got one. And he goes, nah, I brought this one from home. Throw me a ball. And I go, no, I'm not throwing you a ball. And he goes, hey, Dempster. <laughs> <"Fuck> you. <laughs> and I was like, I love this place. This place is great. <laughs> oh, it's so good. 
What a first impression. I love yeah, that. Yeah, first time at Shea Stadium. It was incredible. That place, I, you know what I love? I'm a Yankee fan, but I love how Met fans say, you know, Shea was a dump, but it was our dump. You know, the passion of that yeah. fan base is just, it's, it's what New York's all about. You know what I mean? And, yeah, absolutely. It, it was so, it was this really, really special place. And I have to ask you this, because I, I can only imagine that this must have been like a pinnacle moment for you. You accomplished a lot. How cool was it getting to pitch in that final All-Star game at the old Yankee Stadium? Yeah, amazing, man. Uh, absolutely, like, so special. Like, I had a chance. My second Major League start was actually um, at Yankee Stadium on Fan Appreciation Day. 55,000 people. David Cohn punched out 15 that day. Um, Don Larson threw out the first pitch. It was just like this incredible day. And here I was like, um, you know, I'd already given up a couple of homers in the first inning and I got first and second with two out Daryl strawberry up and I two Oh count. And I'm, I'm shaking my catcher off and he comes out to the mound. He says, what are you shaking me off for? And I, what do you want? I said, change up. He goes, you don't throw a change up. I go, I know, but if I throw a fastball, it's going to be five, nothing here real quick. So <laughs> let's throw something else, you know? And, uh, and I threw it and he hit a rocket to second base ground out and I got out of the inning. But so like to kind of like tie it all back together to have like the beginning of my career there at this famed ballpark where Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle and all these guys played and be on the mound where Darn, Don Larson threw a perfect game in the you know World Series and all this stuff. So then the last year of that stadium to pitch the bottom of the ninth inning after Marion Rivera just pitched the top of the ninth, which by the way, I no lie, when the doors opened to come out of the bullpen, you know what my first thought was? What's that? I just lost the All-Star game. <laughs> like, I warmed up so bad. I, I didn't throw a single strike warming up. I was so awful. And then I go out there and punch out the side. And I'm just like, what just happened? Did I just black out? You know, like, I'm in a time warp, a vortex here or something? It was just so amazing. And just, you know, to see that crowd like that and kind of go through all of that, it was... It was incredible, and all the legends on the field before the game. It was it was really truly special. I had my family there, you know my my son was there, my mom and dad, my my brothers, my best friend, like just everybody. It was it was truly probably the highlight of my life. Now, being a kid from Canada, are you running up to Fergie Jenkins? Are you starstruck in that moment? Are you going up to all those Hall of Famers and just fanboying? Yo, God, yeah, man. Are you, like it was just amazing, you know. And I had a chance to be around some of them at Wrigley because you know just they would come through and stuff like that. But like when you're on a field and you start seeing, you know, like not just them, you know, the Cal Ripkins, the Hank Aarons, you know, like the Yogi Bear, it's, it's next level, man. A Bob Gibson, you know, like it's just like, holy cow, what is on this field? Like the energy that you could feel was, was nothing I'd ever experienced, you know, like pitching the World Series. I got to close out game one of the World Series, pitched in all-star games. The actual, like, the, the the energy, like the kinetic energy of greatness, you know, it couldn't help but rub off on you. Like, that's the only reason I struck out the side was all of those guys. Because it was just like, you know, it's like you just could be like touch somebody. Like, let me just get a little bit of you, a little bit of you. You know, I don't even throw a curveball, but I'll just touch you. Like, let's just get somebody. And it was it was absolutely breathtaking to be around that much greatness in one, you know, on one field at one time. It was pretty special. Or part of it, man. That that's unbelievable. That's one of my last like childhood baseball memories because that was the summer right before I left for college, and the city was just a buzz, man, for that whole week leading up to that game. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No I do want to touch on one other link that you have to New York baseball history. 2013, A Rod comes back to the Yankees, appealing a suspension for PEDs. Uh, you're on the bump, and you were probably the guy who. Might have been the only one with, I guess, the balls or the guts to do what every other pitcher in baseball wanted to do. Can you just take us through that night? Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll give you some like backstory. There, there was all kinds of stuff and reasons why nobody like ever really truly got it. You know, like people had all this like, oh, there was some tiff. Beat. I didn't even know Alex. You know, like I don't, I still don't know. And um, it's not like we had any really much interaction whatsoever. He threw a great party at the All-Star Game in 2008. I went to thank you, and that was it. Like, um, And so when I signed with the Red Sox, I was, uh, I was back home visiting my family, and my brothers and I were having a few pops, and one of my brothers just made a little like funny crack. He's like, dude, you should A-Rod first time at, at Fenway Park. The Red Sox fans will love you forever. And I, I was just joking. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Then all the stuff comes out, right? The biogenesis stuff and you know, all the scandals. I didn't hit Alex because of his connection to steroids and taking PE. Lots of guys did, you know, there was, there was people I, I know that did, you know, it was, a, it was a, a weird time. You know, I have a, I have a lot of sympathy for that era. Unlike some people do like we, we beloved it, right? Like we loved Sammy and Mark hitting all the homers and they brought baseball back. Did we not think that maybe they were on something? I mean, I got a picture of me standing next to Mark McGuire I, I look like a normal NBA Jam player, and he looks like the guy after you do the you touch the buttons, and then they, they grow, you know, real big. That's what Mark did. <laughs> like, like he's just not eating better steak, you know. Like, <laughs> they, oh, it's grass fed, you know. So, I, I, I that wasn't the reason. The reason was I didn't think he was being very respectful of of what was going on, right? Like. You get caught, you get caught, you keep saying, I'm sorry. And then on top of it, you want to now like go against our union who's not protecting you. So it was like kind of just my way of saying, hey, dude, like you're kind of being an asshole. You know, like I, so I threw the first one behind him. I, I don't, I'm not going to throw it at anybody's head. I never have intentionally in my life. You know, I've thrown up and in for sure, but I, and then the next two, then I threw the next two, and everybody's like, you threw on them four times. I go, hey, slow down. You know, my command isn't that bad. So then the next two, I threw up and in, because I'm like, if I just throw it down and away, I might get in trouble here, you know? And then I got 3-0, and I was like, all right. You know, 
I looked at Johnny Gomes, who was playing left field, but he was actually right behind our shortstop. And I was like, all right, okay. So then I thought, well, you know, I didn't understand why you wore the elbow pad. Because if you're on all those steroids, my 89 mile an hour fastball is not going to hurt you very much. So why do you need to wear a pad right there? So I just thought maybe I'll just hit that pad and try and break it and see if that works, you know. But um, and then I hit him and I did feel I felt bad because I had a lot of respect for Joe Girardi. So Joe, in typical Joe fashion, stuck up for his players like he does all the time in such a tremendous way that I just was like, man, I, this is this is not what I wanted. I wish I would have just done it on the first pitch a little bit, you know. Because um, as we found out later, you know, I think Alex actually said it. He said uh, it was like a, on a barstool podcast or something that, um, which actually kind of proved my theory was that he said he tried to hit a fastball down and away um, off my forehead, which I at first thought, man, to solve violence with violence is not the key here. And then on top of it, he said he missed and the ball ended up going out of the ballpark. So see, that shows you right there that PEDs work because if you're just trying to hit a single back up the middle, it went over the fence. So like we needed to do something about that. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it was one of those moments in my career that, uh, obviously a lot of people will remember. Um, but I'm glad, I'm glad that I did it for the right reasons. And those were the reasons it was just, I was just like enough is enough, you know, like, come on now, let's, let's stop doing this. And everybody was kind of on edge about it all. And, and plus I haven't paid for a beer in Boston since. And, and that's a really great thing. <laughs> How gratifying was it to go, you know, walk off as a world champion that year? Did you know it was going to be your final season while you're going through 2013? Or um, why don't you just take me through your mindset of, you know, that whole playoff run and where your head was at and just how cool that was? Because that ended up being your final season in baseball. Yeah. Um, yeah, the All-Star game, I, I battled some neck stuff towards the end of my career um, that, that was becoming... Hard. I could have still pitched. I'm maybe, you know, like I'm sure I was going through a divorce. So, you know, I have three kids and I wanted to be there for them. Um, you know, that's just a real life thing that people deal with. And I was like, man, this is like a really special year. So the all-star game at the airport, Oakland, um, I was sitting there with, uh, with my girlfriend and with my, um, uh, teammate, Matt Thornton. And I looked at him, I said, I, you know, when we win this world series, I'm going home. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, he's like, wow. All right. So, and so, you know, the season kept going and it just started reaffirming my head. And then, uh, you know, getting a chance to close out game one of the World Series and strike out. The last hitter I ever faced in the big leagues was a strikeout to end game one of the World Series at Fenway Park. I mean, how magical is that, you know? And, and I remember before game six, so we were, we, were, we, we were the most confident team I'd ever been around behind the scenes. The stuff that we talked about, uh, behind the scenes was legendary. Like, just like no shot, like just like no team's got a shot, like, you know, like rolling into Baltimore at 3 a.m. off of a road trip, you know, and, 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 you know, having a day game the next day and Pedroia just yelling through the lobby of the four seasons, like, nice try, show Walter. You can make it a day game, but it ain't going to work. You know, like we were just talking crap to everybody. It was so much fun. And so, uh, you know, now, all of a sudden, it's game six, and we're up three games to two, and Lackey's on the hill. It's done. Like, we're winning. Sorry, St. Louis. Good try, but we're winning tonight. And John Farrell was going around to every guy on the team, and he was just like... And I knew I was going home. I knew this was it. You know, I was riding off in the sunset. Um, I said to him, I, he said, how you doing? I said, good. But hey, Skip, listen, we're winning by like 10. 
and you feel like you want to get me in for an inning or something, you know, don't. I'm good. Like, <laughs> if you need me, I'm there. Like, if you need me to get out, I'm good. But don't, I've already, I, I'm having my moment right now. Like, it's fine with me. Like, I don't just want this, like, you know, courtesy, get damp in. He's the veteran guy for an inning of the world. No, just go with your guys. And he was like, looked at me and he's like, I go, cause we're winning tonight. So like, just let you know, And he was just like, all right, cool. So it was really, really special. And, you know, to have my family there once again, you know, my mom and dad to see that it was just incredible. Ryan, I mentioned in the intro, just how much I loved the energy that you brought to the field as a player. And I know how much your teammates appreciated you for that as well. And you've certainly brought that into the booth. Did you think that you were going to have the type of success that you've, that you've enjoyed once you uh, first got into broadcasting? Uh, yeah, I just, I love talking baseball, as you can tell, I love to sharing stories and I love the game. And it's not something that like when the off season was, you know, come, would come on. I, w- I was watching old highlights. I'd watch the playoff games. I watched the world series, you know, I'd go to world series games when I was playing and I wasn't playing in it. I, I just love baseball. I always have. And so I was hoping that, you know, if I got into, you know, doing analyst stuff, working at MLB network with that amazing crew, you know, from the editors and producers and then the talent that's there the the analysts we just have so much fun and we get to talk shop and then getting a chance now to call games for the cubs it's really special you know to be able to sit there and have this great seat of the house and be able to share with fans what's going on on the field what guys might be trying to do and then on top of it sharing moments of your career you know i know i'm not for everybody and that's okay you know um but like i i I truly it comes from a a genuine real place of just wanting to give fans a great experience of listening to a game um i'm just so lucky i would you know i haven't had to have a job since high school and it's just uh it's been so much fun to be you know in the world of baseball and the call games i thought that there was a chance i could you know entertain along the way it's how i was during my career you know i was always the guy at 3 a.m when you get in on the bus ride and playing tour guide with the microphone or you know, doing something silly in the clubhouse, wearing a wearing a G-string thong into the pool. I mean, whatever it was, I was just that guy. So um, I, I harness that. I enjoy it. I embrace it. That's that's I am who I am, and I'm proud of it. And, um, I like to have fun. You know, when you when you smile and you relax, you're at your best in life. And life's too short, as we learn, especially through all of this. That you know, just try and cherish and enjoy each moment every day. And I did that when I was playing too. Now, Ryan, one thing I love about your broadcast is. You know, once in a while, you're not afraid to, you know, try out some of your characters. And, you know, here on Broadway, we're very fond of performers like yourself, you know, who create characters like the, you know, a certain famous fella from uh, Major League Baseball history that you've certainly uh, introduced this new generation of fans to, I guess you could say. And I, you know, to my understanding, your signature character is uh, a bit of a theater fan. Am I understanding this correctly? Yes, absolutely. I, you are understanding that correctly. You know, I, I love the characters, whether I'm doing Steve Boxwater or, uh, you know, Ian McGregor from UK Sports is obviously one of my favorite, but I have a huge um, love for Harry Carey. And uh, I just, you know, growing up and having the rare chance to watch a WGN game, you know, and, and just listening to him, he, you just automatically got drawn to the broadcast. You know, who is this guy? He sounds like he sounds like a real life caricature. And, you know, when you imagine what they would talk like when you're watching somebody in a mall draw you and your buddy, you're like, hey, well, what are caricatures talk like? They talk like Harry Carey, you know, and then coming to Chicago and being a cub and getting to learn so much of the history of him and then becoming friends with Dutchie, his his widow and 
you know, just learning all about the history and Grant DePorter and Harry Carey's and it's just become something I love. Like I'll never forget listening to a game. Uh, I was like 11 years old, 1988. And uh, the Cubs were winning two to one. Uh, there was a runner on second base. There was two out and there was a fly ball to that in, in between land, you know, like behind shortstop center field, you know, left field and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so Sean Dunstan kind of went back on the ball to get under it. And then Jerome Walton came run, running from center field and the left fielder came in, you know, and this, you know, you're a kid, you're 11 years old and you're listening to the broadcast and, and Harry's sitting there going like, you know, there, there's a, a short drive to left field and Dunstan's under it should be the game. In comes Walton to the left fielder and the ball falls in. Jesus Christ. And he just went silent. And I looked at my brother, I'm like, you can, you can say that on TV? And when you're Harry Carey, you can, you know? You know, the infamous Jumbotron where they would have, they didn't have a Jumbotron at Wrigley, so they have the kiss cam everywhere else. Well, they, they were showing this couple kiss all the time, you know, going from broadcast to pitch and back and forth, and him and Steve Stone were doing the game, and he's just like, yeah, you know what, Stone? I, Steve, I finally figured it out. And Steve says, what's that, Harry? And he says, he kisses her on the strikes and she kisses him on the balls. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just goes like ground ball over to short. Dunstan picks it up on the first two away. Like, like just completely just telling a story. You could listen to Harry Carey talk for a whole inning and you wouldn't know what's going on in the baseball game, but you would know that there is a sale on oranges at the at the produce stand on the way down from Milwaukee on the side of the road, he would tell you all about that. Like he was just amazing. Ryan, how would uh, Harry sound reading a lineup of uh, Broadway All Stars? Well, like you know, something like this. Like you know, he's he's pretty clever, so he just have some fun with it. He's like this lineup card for the Broadway break of bat hills was just given to me by bench coach Xavier Dady, former Chicago Cub. New York Yankee. Batting first, center fielder Johnny Damon. Johnny is a Rock of Ages super fan. Johnny also looks like he came from the Stone Age with that haircut. Batting second, shortstop Katie Rose Clark. Of course, star of Wicked on Broadway, a show about witches. I'm, between you and I, I'm not a big fan of witches. Kind of scary the way they put a hex on you. Next thing you know, you're getting up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom every 12 minutes. Great contact hitter, though. Uh, inside out swing, much like Derek Jeter. Hits for a really high batting average. Batting third left fielder, Steve Wetmeyer. Uh, he's not from Broadway, but he did perform Kermit the Frog on the Muppets. Can really run down those fly balls of the outfield, snap up. Flies with his tug, I'll tell you that. Batting fourth, first baseman, Megan Hilty. Wicked bat speed who smashes the ball. Course of the fifth hole, as right fielder Abby Mueller, one of the most powerful voices on Broadway, and the uh, audience loves her for sure, played Carol King in the Broadway musical Beautiful. You know Carol King was from Canada. Yeah, that's just up there north of the border. Money's different colors, but it's it's fun because you you cash in a hundred, you get more money than you gave them. 
Anyways, Abby's batting in the fifth hole. Batting sixth, DH. That's the designated hitter, Joel McHale. Of course, they brought him over from the Clendale Community College. You know why they call it Community College? This is because anybody in the community go there. Batting seventh is catcher, Christy Altmar. Well, has quite the arm on Chris. That's right, frames pitches like Yachty or Molina. Also been known to have a pine tar on her shirt. They get the ball stuck there, too. Batting eighth, the second baseman, Kate Rockwell. What a name, Rockwell. Did you know Kate Rockwell spelled backwards? Etac Lucar. That's right, she was fearless of mean girls. And batting nine, third baseman, Jackie Burns. I'll tell you what, my throat burns after doing this lineup. Some say she defies gravity on defense. And on the mound for the Broadway break of bad hands is right-hander Derek Klenna. Nasty fastball. Did you know Derek used to play with Derek Cole and Trevor Bauer at UCLA? Turns out yeah, he wasn't much of a pitcher. Those two boys were, though. And left baseball for Broadway, and now he's returning to the diamond. There you have it, folks. Today's starting lineup right here on Broadway. Break up bat hands. So I, as you can tell, I kind of oh, love Harry. Cubs fans. I... <laughs> I got his 80 episodes into the show. That is a signature moment. I'll break a bat. I, I apologize to all the Cubs fans who, uh, if you hear Ryan a little hoarse in the booth this week, uh, he was reading off a lineup of Broadway All Stars, and Ryan, that was just absolutely epic, bro. Absolutely. Uh, epic. Thanks. You know, I know I don't sound exactly like him. I get that, but I bring the love for Harry. I bring his genuality. That's just how he was, and uh, and I just like I wish that I would have had a chance to to be around him when I was a cub and just enjoy his moments. I love the stories from, from Pat Hughes that he shared with me on the plane rides and the different things that Harry would do. And, you know, him and his, his lovely wife, Dutchie, man, the stories she shared with me, like some, 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 some mafia stuff that Harry was connected with. That was a lot of fun. So, you know what, just because of what we just did, the next time I call a game, I'm going to do Harry a favor and I'm going to drink in the booth like he did, you know? We need to start bringing that back. When do we start drinking in the booth again? <laughs> Why is that not okay? Did you ever see when he gives you getting hammered? Right? Just a few, you know? <laughs> like when he gave Bill Murray the beer on the uh, first night game at Wrigley Field broadcast. Had no shame doing it whatsoever. And Murray, of course, just, be, just takes it and <laughs> goes nuts with it, of course. And the great line when he says, how how's your mom doing? And he's like, well, she's off the bottle, Harry. So, you know, that's good. <laughs> Like, just so great, man. He did, And Harry was just like, well, that's good. So what do you think of the game tonight, Bill? You know, like, he just had such magnificent just storytelling and just, and he was beloved. You know, I actually have uh, copies of Harry's drinking logs. So uh, people would tell stories. He would tell stories about how much he would buy drinks for everybody. And people, you don't really do that. So in 1971 and 72, Harry kept logs of, who he would go out with and how much he would spend and where he went. And, uh, and I have copies of those and it is incredible. I mean, the names on the list, like Wilt Chamberlain's on the list. Like the fact that Harry Carey and Wilt Chamberlain went out and drank beers together. That is something if I could go back in time, like in a DeLorean do 88 in a parking lot and just punch the ticket as to when and where that is where I want to go. 
to that bar and watch those two guys throw them down. That would be the ultimate odd couple scene, right? There's Wilt yes. and Harry. I would, I would pay big money to watch that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God, Ryan, you are an absolute pro, my man. This was so much fun. Now, I do have to say there's one little segment that we do to wrap every show on Break a Bat. I want you to picture yourself on the mound. Uh, we call this fastball derby, except uh, actually, you know what? You're going to be in the batter's box here. I'm the pitcher. Uh, right. I'll ask you a question. You tell me the first thing that comes to mind. How does that sound? Sounds perfect. Favorite New York City meal? Oh, uh, um, uh, sorry. Um, uh, oh, favorite New York City meal? Uh, holy cow. Uh, why, am I, why am I drawing a blank right now? It's like it's too fast in my brain. Hold on. Uh, uh, hold on here. Frankie, he's the maitre d' at the front door. Cabagnolas. Golly, man. Sorry, man. Yeah. Incredible, phenomenal food, Italian service off the charts. Never picked up a menu in my life. He just brings it. There you go. You want to eat? He roll, rolls you out of there. Yeah. Best team you played on that didn't win the World Series? 2008 Chicago Cubs. Greatest game you ever pitched? Uh, one hitter against the New York Mets in Florida. Toughest hitter you ever had to face? Barry Bonds. How about a guy you owned? Uh, Joe Maurer. Pretty good guy to own uh, three bad punched him out three times. <laughs> punched him out three times in one game. The guy never struck out. I will hang that. Sorry, Joe, you got to wear that one. That's just unfortunately, I'm your I'm your great white buffalo. You just never could get me. It's okay. Freaking love it. Fact about Ryan Dempster that would surprise people the most. Um, fact about me that would surprise people the most. Uh, I um, surprise people. Oh, uh, I play chess. Coolest piece of memorabilia that you kept from your playing career? Oh, uh, all-star game cleats from the 2008 World uh, All-Star Game. Yeah, those are those are pretty sweet. You could be the lead in one Broadway show. What is it? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Book, of, Book of Mormon. Ryan, this was absolutely epic, my man. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show tonight. Hey, this is great, Al. Thanks for having me on, man. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. We got to do it again come playoff time. Here's hoping for a uh, Yankees-Cubs series, right? Oh, man, wouldn't that be great? That would be so much fun. Pray for one of those one day. That would be fabulous. Fingers crossed, my man. And uh, all the uh, bat heads listening at home, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. This is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.